Amen. Praise the Lord. 54, let's stand and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
amen. I know some of you are probably comfortable for the very first time in Red Hill. You know why? Because it's hot in here. I'm not going anywhere else with that. Turning your Bibles this morning to 2 John, please. The easiest way to get there is probably to turn to the last book and then back up. The book of 2 John. And let me say again this morning, blessed are the balanced. Blessed are the balanced. I remember reading something years ago uh, that Warren Wiersbe said. He said, God balances our lives by giving us enough blessings to keep us happy and enough burdens to keep us humble. He said, if blessings were all that we had, and He just loaded our hands with blessings, we would fall right over. And so the Lord balances us by putting some burdens on our back and keeps us balanced. And He says that helps keep us steady. As we yield to Him, He can turn those burdens into blessings. Blessed are the balanced. And we're learning that lesson as we study this little book of 2 John. And uh, in this book, we're reminded that we have to balance truth and love. It's vital that we balance truth and love. Because we're learning that if you have all love and no truth, it will lead you to liberalism. But on the flip side, if you have all truth and no love, it will lead you to legalism. And so balance is such a blessing in our lives. And this idea of balancing truth and love is so important. And it's emphasized here in this little book from the Apostle John. And I've outlined the book very simply, but I hope accurately. In this little book, John says, first of all, way to go in verses 1 through 4. And then John says, watch out in verses 5 through 11. And then John wraps up by saying, we'll see you later, hopefully, in verses 12 through 13. And so we're doing a little mini-series here on the book of 2 John. And it will bring us up, it will finish up today, the next Sunday we'll have our Thanksgiving service, and then we'll launch into a Christmas series on December the 1st, God willing. Let's read it together again, and you follow along as I read, as we see today that John is going to sound a warning. He's going to give some instruction here that's very vital. The book of 2 John, beginning at verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. Now today's passage. Now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. 
He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen and amen. If you remember last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that we know who wrote the letter, John. But we're not quite certain if this elect lady that's mentioned here was indeed an actual lady. Or he was writing in reference to a local church, referring to the church as a lady, maybe to protect them from persecution. Or maybe it was an actual lady who had a church which met in her home. But the lessons are still the same regardless of what the recipient or who the recipient was. And the lesson today is this, watch out. Watch out. Now he commended her in verses 1 through 4. Way to go. Your children are walking in the truth. But then he comes to verses 5 through 11 and he begins to encourage her to walk in love. Look at verse 5 again. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have from the beginning, that we love one another. Now let me say this morning, love is so important. Love is vital. In fact, John is simply reminding the lady or the church or both of what Jesus taught. It wasn't a new thing. Jesus said this in John 13, 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you that you also love one another. By all this one... By, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, when people look at you and they see your love, they'll know you're followers of me for the love that you have, not only for me, but for each other. But it's important to understand what this love looks like. You see, the love that we read about here is not just a blind, gullible love which accepts everyone and everything. Now he says here to love one another, but then he begins to unpack that for her. And I want you to notice with me this morning what kind of love he's talking about. And there's three main things we learn about love in this passage. Number one, we see that it's an obedient love. It's an obedient love. Look at verse 6. This is love. If you ever wondered, here it is. This is love that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Again, this is not something new. John is simply reminding her, simply repeating Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 15, these words, If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, the love for Jesus is not just love in word. It's not just saying, oh, how I love Jesus. It displays itself in action. The love that we have for Jesus leads to obedience to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is Savior. And Jesus is Master. And Jesus is Lord. So you can talk and sing all day long about how you love Jesus. But the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in your life. Does your love for the Lord Jesus translate itself into the obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? And it's important to remember that. Why? Because John's getting ready to share something very difficult. He says, listen now, if you're going to love, if you're going to continue in love, you're going to walk in love, you've got to walk in obedience. And he's about to remind them that this love is not only an obedient love, it's also a discerning love. A discerning love. Now listen, if there's one thing that's greatly needed in the church today, it's discernment. 
Maybe there's a balance here. Love and truth. If we have all love and no truth, it leads us to liberalism. What happens then? Well, in liberalism, we accept anyone and everyone, regardless of what they believe, regardless of what they teach, and regardless of how they live. We must understand that everyone who names the name of Jesus, that does not mean that they really are preaching and teaching and standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because they say the word Jesus does not mean they're proclaiming the truth of the Word of God. Listen, you can have a smile as big as a television screen and have a church there filled to capacity, but that does not mean that you're preaching the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be discerning. We must have love and truth. Why? Now look at verse 7. Here it is. Look at verse 7. He says this, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an anti-Christ. He's saying here there are many false teachers there are many deceivers, many antichrists or antichrists in the world today. It was true back in John's day, and beloved, it's still true today. And we as believers must be careful, discerning and watchful as to who it is that we allow into our homes, into our church, and into our lives. I've said to our leadership team here on more than one occasion as we've met, that we must always be very careful about who it is that we invite to speak in this place. Whether that person's addressing a Sunday school class, the youth group, whether they're addressing the ladies group or the men's group, or even the entire church, we can't just have just anybody come in because they said, oh yeah, I love Jesus. Listen, we've got to know something about them. We've got to know them. We've got to know their message. And we've got to know their track record. We've got to know something about them that they're truly teaching the truth of the Word of God. Why? Because it only takes one time for someone to get up and speak heresy, to preach heresy, to, to, to lead somebody astray, to, to shipwreck, shipwreck someone's faith. To bring confusion into the body of Christ. To bring trouble into the body of Christ. Let me say loud and clear here, beloved... In case you've ever wondered, in case you're wondering now, we believe the Bible from cover to cover. We believe all the Bible. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I believe the, the cover of the Bible when it says Holy Bible. We believe all of the Word of God. This is God's Word. And if someone does not believe that, and someone does not teach that, and someone does not preach that, they're welcome to attend here. Man, I want them to attend here. And my desire is they'll hear the gospel and get saved. And they're welcome here in that sense, but they're not welcome to stand in this place. They're not welcome to address this assembly. The, the pulpit is a sacred place. We're on sacred ground today. You might be thinking, well, Rodney, that sounds so mean. That sounds so harsh. I mean, we should just love everybody. Remember, love and truth. Love and truth. In fact, listen, you might be wondering, what's the big deal? I mean... They get up and teach heresy. They get up and teach false doctrine. What's the big deal? Well, let me show you, beloved, that why this is so important. You know why it's important? Because eternity hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance. We can disagree on lesser things. We can disagree on non-essential things. But if we mess up when it comes to the gospel, if we mess up when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, the difference in that, beloved, is heaven and hell. 
Eternity hangs in the balance. And I want you to look, because John lets us know what's at stake here. If we just play around with this, look at what's at stake here. First of all, the gospel message itself is at stake. Look at verse number 7 again. It says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. So what were these false teachers teaching? They were teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh. They were denying, I want you to stay with me. They were denying the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Incarnation is a big $20 word. You know what it means? It simply means that Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. It simply means that Jesus, who is God, came and robed Himself in flesh. In fact, we're getting ready to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ next month. You're already shopping about that. You're already talking about that. You're already planning that. The kids are already practicing that. The cantata is already underway. Why? Because we're celebrating the incarnation. That God, Jesus, who is God, He stepped into flesh without ceasing to be God. Never forget. Never forget, beloved, that little baby in Bethlehem. That was not the beginning of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. That was the beginning of Him in flesh. His incarnation. But as God, He's always been and always will be. He is eternal. And so His virgin birth was not the beginning of Jesus. It was the beginning of Jesus in the flesh. Perfect God and perfect man joined in the flesh, the incarnation. Think about this. This will blow your mind. Jesus is the only baby ever born who existed before His mother and created His mother. Think about that for a moment. The only baby ever born that existed before His mother and created His mother. That's who Jesus is. And these false teachers are saying, listen, Jesus did not come in the flesh. They were denying the incarnation. You see it right there in black and white. What is that saying then? They were denying the gospel. You know why? Think it through. If Jesus did not come in the flesh, then He could not die in our place He could not be buried. He could not then rise again the third day. If He did not come in the flesh, then He could not take my sin upon Himself. He could not atone for our sin. And if He did not come in the flesh, He could not be our Savior. That's how serious this is. This is not a side issue. It's not a non-essential thing. This is serious life and death, eternal issues here. Why? Because to deny His birth, His robing in flesh means that really God did not come in flesh and cannot take our sin upon Himself on the cross. Here's what the Bible says. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld, beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In fact, this issue is so serious. John used some very bold words to describe them. Did you notice in verse 7? For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Notice what he says. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. That's pretty bold. You're not only a deceiver, you're an antichrist. John talked about the antichrist in his first epistle. Listen to what he said in 1 John 2.18. Little children... It is the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist, the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. 1 John 4, 2-3 By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. 
And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So there is the, the Antichrist who will one day be here. But there are many Antichrists, those that go against the Lord Jesus Christ. To deny the coming of Christ in the flesh is to not only deny the Bible, but it's to deny the gospel itself. And we've got to be discerning about these things. We can't just open our doors and say, oh, come on in and, and teach us and, and lead us. No! Not if they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know the key to understand what someone really believes? No matter what their label is. I don't care if it's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, Catholic, whatever they are. You want to know really where they stand? Ask them this question. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? That's the key. It's so important we have a discerning love. Why? Because the gospel message is at stake. But did you notice likewise that our reward is at stake? Look back again there. Now we know that our salvation is by grace through faith. And praise the Lord, our salvation is secure. It's eternal life. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we're placed in His hand. No man can pluck Him out. We're, we're eternally secure. The Bible clearly teaches that. But listen, the Bible teaches that Believers, we can earn rewards. First, you see 1 Corinthians 3, for example. And while our salvation's secure, and we're, we're bound for heaven, listen, our rewards are not. Our rewards are not secure. And if we're not careful, we can lose our reward. Did you know that? I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about the rewards that the Lord wants to give to us. In fact, in that same passage, 1 Corinthians 3, we don't have time to go through it, all of it. But it talks about wood, hay, and stubble, and gold, and silver, and precious stone. A picture of our works. We don't work our way into heaven, by the way. We're saved by grace through faith. But as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, we can earn rewards. We can also lose them. In fact, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 3.15. It talks about putting into the testing fire. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as so as through fire. Did you notice that John talked about rewards here? Look at verse 8 of 2 John. He says, look to yourselves that we do not lose the, those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Two thoughts in that. First of all, John is concerned about his own reward as the shepherd. You know, I realize that I will stand before the Lord and I'll give an account for this flock of God. And John says, listen, I don't want to lose the reward of things we've worked for. And then notice what else says, but that we may receive a full reward. That we may. He doesn't want them to lose their reward. What a sad day it's going to be. Now, you're going to be in glory. You're going to be with Jesus. But as a believer, you're going to stand before Jesus and He's going to look over your works and what you did with your life. And imagine everything that you did as a Christian burns up. Now you're still safe, you're still secure, you're still going to heaven. But imagine the shame, the heartache, the tears when you realize that you wasted your life. He says, listen, don't lose your reward. Don't lose your reward. That's a totally different message. We're going to move on. But our reward's at stake. But there's a third thing here, and that is our testimony's at stake. Or we might say it this way, our purity is at stake. John gets very specific in how to handle these false teachers. 
these deceivers. Now obviously these false teachers are not saved. John says that, doesn't he? Verse 9. He says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. What's the doctrine of Christ? Well, that's what the Bible teaches about Christ. The teachings of Christ, teachings about Christ, the Bible's teachings about Christ. It says that they don't do that. Look at the next part. Does not have God. They're not saved. You can't deny the deity of Jesus Christ to be saved. You can't deny His incarnation and be saved. Why? Because you're denying the gospel. Notice what it says in the next part of the verse. He who abides in this doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now, what do you do when these false teachers come knocking? That's a good question, I think, because they do come knocking, don't they? They want access into your home, access into your lives. There are false teachers today who would want access to this congregation, access to this pulpit. What do you do? Well, John says what to do. Look at verse 10. If anyone... There you go. Anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine. What doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. He just talked about, right? He just said in verse 9, the doctrine of Christ. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine. Now watch this carefully. Do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. Now what in the world does that mean? It means this. When a false teacher comes knocking, when a false deceiver comes knocking... Do not extend hospitality to them and do not wish them well. Now let me, let me unpack that for you. Let's just take, for example, when the Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking on your door. Or the Mormons come knocking on your door. What's he saying here? He says, number one, don't welcome them to your home. And don't wish them well on their way. Listen, if you're going to witness to them, witness to them out in the yard. Stay on the front porch with them. Listen, don't, don't invite them into your home, into your life, into your family. Don't, don't let your boys and girls get within earshot of what they're saying. Now listen, treat them with kindness as human beings. Don't pull the shotgun on them. Unless you do that for everybody. I mean, because some of you probably do that for everybody. You know, who is it? Oh, it's the preacher. Alright, well, I'm going to have to load it and shoot today. Doesn't, be, doesn't say be mean and nasty. Doesn't say curse them. We need to be Christ-like, right? But the idea is this. Don't encourage them in their work. Don't encourage them. In fact, it's so strong. Why? He says, not only do you not invite them into your home or give them any kind of encouragement. Watch verse 11. Anyone who encourages such people, this is scary, becomes a partner in their evil work. Wow. Now, now let, let's, let's pretend here that they come to my house. Word hasn't got out to all of them, but that's the parsonage. You don't go to the parsonage. They knock on the door. I say, oh, well, welcome. Come right in. I give them coffee and I give them tea and I give them cookies. We spend an hour or so laughing and, and joking and talking about God and end times and all these things. And we're done. I say, well, let me lead us in prayer. And, and I say, well, God speed to you. Good luck. I hope things go well for you. And they go on their way and they go down the street. They don't go far. They go to the Hyatt's house. They answer the door, they get past Tennessee, the huge dog, and they get past all these things. And Chris says, listen, I, I'm not interested. I, I'm, I'm born again. I, I, I know Jesus Christ as Savior. I belong to the church up there on the hill, Red Hill Baptist Church. They, oh, Pastor Clements. Yeah, we were just at his house. In fact, we had a great time in his house. 
He invited us in. We had coffee. We had cookies. We laughed. We had a wonderful time. Had the nicest visit. He made us feel so welcome. In fact, he told us good luck as he went out the door. I don't think he'd mind if we came in. I don't think he'd mind if we spent a little bit of time with you. Do you see, beloved, but just, just in a very simple way, by aligning yourself with false teachers and deceivers, it can open the doors for your own testimony to be harmed. It can open the door and even lead others astray. Now, I know Chris and Nicole know better than that, but let's just say that there's somebody that didn't. What has happened? Because I've welcomed them. Because I've bid them good luck. Because I've said, God speak to you. I hope you go on with your work. What? My actions have impacted somebody else. And I've become, listen, a partner in their evil deeds. And let me say clearly. Let me say very clearly. Anybody who denies the Lord Jesus Christ and is out preaching whatever it is they preach, they're practicing evil. When they turn people away from Jesus. We can disagree on many things in this church. We can disagree on whether it's hot or cold. We can disagree on carpet color. We can disagree on non-essential things. We can disagree on all that. But listen, we must agree upon Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll say amen to that. Because without Jesus, we have nothing. It's what binds us. He's the one that brings us together. And if anybody sees Jesus anything less than the living Lord and Savior, the Son of God who was crucified, buried, and rose again, if He's anything less in their book, then we cannot and we will not partner with them. We will not offer to them the right hand of fellowship. We will not endorse them. We will not support them. We will not work with them. We will not give them an audience here. And beloved, you say, oh, that sounds so hateful. No, that's love. That's love. You say, well, how's that love? Because it's obedience. Look at verse 6. This is love. This is love. That you walk according to His commandments. Love is not some kind of mushy-gushy, gullible, blind, fuzzy, fairy little feeling that you have that just says, oh, I love everybody. Just come to our church. Come in our homes. Just spread your deceit around. That's not love. That's ignorance. Love is discerning. Love and truth. In fact, the Bible says you speak the truth how? In love. So when you are witnessing to them out in the yard, you do it in love. You do it in love. We have a responsibility as your pastor. I have a responsibility here to warn you, just as John warns you, to be careful about who you allow into your life. Be careful about who it is you watch on TBN. Be careful about who it is you're watching on the church channel. Be careful whose books you read. Check them out according to the Bible. Find out what they teach about Jesus Christ. Find out what it is they're proclaiming. Do that with me. Bring your Bible. Follow along. Share with me. Look at it. Make sure you're following the truth. Why? Because as he says, many deceivers have gone out into the world. Are you seeing the balance here now? Love and truth. Love and truth. They go together. Why? Because all love... And no truth leads to liberalism. Anything goes. We speak the truth in love. Now John says, watch out. And then he comes to the end of the letter. And he ends by saying, basically, we'll see you later, hopefully. And in this we see another facet of love. 
Uh, love here is obedient. Love is discerning, but love is also joyful. And I want to leave, leave you on a joyful note here. I want you to see what he says in verses 12 and 13. John's not finished with his message, but he's finished with this letter. He says in verse 12, Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and with ink, but I hope to come to you and see, speak face to face. Why? That our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. You see, abiding in truth and love brings much joy. Abiding in truth and love brings so much joy. John wanted to see them face to face and rejoice with them. He wanted them to have full joy. And listen, there's nothing sweeter this side of heaven than true Christian fellowship. To be united in Jesus Christ. But these closing verses remind us of one more important thing. Listen. John MacArthur said the conclusion of this marvelous little epistle, this letter, reveals one last responsibility believers have toward the truth. If they are to live in it, love consistent with it, be loyal to it, guard it, they must constantly, listen, be learning it. He says, despite all that she had learned from John and her other pastors and teachers, there were still many things about which he needed to write to her. We've got to remember this, beloved. We're not done I don't care if you've been a Christian for 75 years. You've not exhausted this book. There's still more to learn. And if we're going to walk and keep that balance of love and truth, we've got to stay in this book. We've got to keep studying and keep learning. Why? So we can be discerning and know what it is when someone speaks that which is not true. We need to know the real deal. Kind of like someone who would look at counterfeit money. Understand those who do counterfeit money. They don't study all the the fake ones. You know what they study? The real ones. And we want to focus on Jesus. And learn about Jesus. The doctrine of Christ. And know this book. And therefore when somebody comes along and says, Listen, Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. Wait a minute. John says what? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the begotten Son of God. We begin to be able to discern and be discerning. So love here, beloved, is a walk in love. It's an obedient love. It's a discerning love and it's a joyful love. Now I'd be remiss in our last moment together to preach a message like this and not extend to you and invite you to the embodiment of love and truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is love and He is truth. Do you know Him today? If not, today's the day you can turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Because you know that verse 9 says, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. But the flip side says this, He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And you can have the same today if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is not the most fun type of message to preach. You know that? But it's a vital message to preach, to warn you, to remind you, to be discerning and balance love and truth. May God help us do it. Father, we know that there are many deceivers back in that day and there are many deceivers today. And they have so many means of communication today. The internet, the airways print all over to spread that which goes against you and your word and against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we sound the warning. May we be stalwart in our faith and say, listen, we will not join in their evil work. We will stand with the truth and speak the truth in love. But we will be discerning 
and careful about who it is we invite into our lives, our church, and our homes. We want only those who love and follow Jesus Christ and will lead us to do the same. Now, Father, I pray if anyone here today does not know Jesus Christ, in this closing time, as we have this hymn, that your Holy Spirit would touch their heart and bring them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Our closing hymn as the ladies make their way to the instruments, 325, Whiter Than Snow. We're going to baptize in a moment. Before then, friend, we're going to sing. If you need Jesus today, here's what I want to invite you to do. Just step out from where you are. Come take you by the hand. Say, preacher, I want to know Jesus. And I'll take someone who loves Jesus and loves you. And they'll take God's word. And they'll lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Invitation is simple, I hope. Clear. If you need Jesus, we invite you to come as we sing 325, whiter than snow. 325, let's stand and sing. Thank you.